Disclaimer, in no way am I attempting to call any particular individual a beast. The use of the term is merely to explain a multi-layered complex situation, the impact, and the fallout as a result. A child that's being abused by its parents doesn't stop loving its parents, it stops loving itself. Shahida Arabi It's been quite the roller coaster for those of us, like myself, who have been following the Ruby Frank and Jody Hildebrandt child abuse case and the ride isn't over yet. As it stands currently Ruby has pled guilty and taken a plea deal which dropped two of the charges but allowed her to testify against Jody. How things will play out on Jody's end is yet to be seen. As a result of the situation from the beginning, many people are highly emotional, which is understandable as the details of the situation of abuse are disturbing. However, people are having a hard time separating their feelings toward the situation and the situation itself. While many of us have seen many things that anyone would identify as abusive on the YouTube channel 8 Passengers, owned by Ruby, that's not what the current charges or situation is concerning. Those things would have to be in a separate case and tried separately from this case. The current case also involves YouTube but on a separate channel. Another aspect of the case that people seem bothered by is the fact that Ruby pled guilty and is now able to testify against Jody. There could be any number of reasons for this response, including one's own beliefs in the same religious context as the perpetrators, as well as some believing Jody could never do such things as a professional who helps individuals who have been abused, and the reality of the abuse that was viewed on the channel owned by Ruby. At best, anything that was seen and potentially used as evidence against Ruby could only be used in this situation as evidence to determine her character. A person who has degrees in proper licensing does not automatically mean they will not abuse that power. In fact, thinking that it does is hugely problematic and harmful. Religiously seeing no harm in what one does and viewing it as right does not mean that it is right and there is no harm done. None of that takes away from the reality that it seems likely that Ruby while being an abuser, is also a victim in this situation. As a victim, she has the same rights as any other victim and it doesn't have to take away or diminish her part in the abuse. Nothing about abuse, especially when trying to bring people to justice, is ever straightforward. The justice system often sees things as one way or the other, right or wrong, it's this way or that. It relies on exact dates, times, and details, which, unfortunately, due to the abuse, is something victims cannot always provide with the level of clarity and accuracy required. Innocent until proven guilty is a flawed concept when it comes to abuse, as what is dramatic or abusive and the point where it crosses over into something deemed illegal are vastly different things. Another aspect of this situation that leaves a bad taste in one's mouth is the reality that Ruby was once a client of Jody's and then turned business partner. Plus, the fact that Jody is a therapist turned coach seems to have happened as a result of her license being revoked for problematic and damaging behavior as a therapist. Therapists are well within their right to develop programs and groups where they educate fellow professionals on different frameworks and therapeutic modalities they have created. They can also manage and run groups for their client base that focus on what they struggle with, which they develop through drawing on the many interventions, strategies or techniques they use with clients regularly. Coaches can also run support-based group coaching as well as individual client coaching, however, we don't work with clients in the same way a therapist does. While it's true that anyone can call themselves a coach, many of us do have certifications and are well-trained in the area that we have chosen to coach in. 
This is where the issue is when it comes to therapists who enter into coaching. Coaches can use strategies, many techniques, and pull from, or use any appropriate source such as yoga slash meditation, if they hold a dual certification and the appropriate skill sets or requirements enabling them to obtain it. Let's say I have completed a public speaking course or have been a coach on a debate team when it comes to a client who is terrified of public speaking I have the knowledge and perspective to offer them and perhaps a few pointers to suggest to help manage their anxiety. I'm using my knowledge of their situation and experiences from my own life to come up with a way to support them in meeting an expectation or a goal they wish to accomplish. Putting a therapist in that same situation, who potentially has no understanding of public speaking and isn't allowed to speak about their own life or bring themselves into the situation, is something I feel can do more harm than it does good. Sure they may be able to support the client with the anxiety piece and suggest ways to manage it but can never relate to the experience when it isn't something they have had to deal with or experienced in a similar situation. Also, as long as a therapist has their license they can draw from and use any or all of the same techniques and skills they would use with clients if they were their therapists. Coaches aren't comparable to each other, for coaching to be effective the client and coach must be compatible. When you are choosing a therapist you are choosing an individual who works with the things you are struggling with, which in most cases has a standardized way of being approached and what they are doing with you they are doing with 20 other clients they have. Again, I feel approaching things in this way does more harm than it does good. Each person responds to abuse and trauma differently and each person deserves to be treated as an individual when it comes to their healing. This is something I feel can't be achieved when you see all people as the same because they struggle with the same things and apply the same method to help support them through it. I think this situation is a great example of why a therapist has no business becoming a coach when they are unable to leave behind all the things that training to become a therapist has taught them. As everyone knows and has seen, both Kevin and Ruby were clients of Jody before Ruby ever became a business partner. As a professional, when you have clients who are part of a group program it's not unheard of or uncommon to ask the members who have a grasp of the material and how a group works to either volunteer to help run the group or help with certain aspects like overseeing one particular activity or leading a group discussion. In many ways, such things have therapeutic value when putting a client in such situations may help them gain confidence and social skills or support the building of self-esteem. It only becomes a problem when money exchanges hands where the individual is now employed and works for you and the therapeutic relationship continues. In this particular case, the way both individuals conducted themselves in public has led to the questioning of their relationship status. I can see where the assumption was made and also see how such assumptions are highly problematic. Professionally, whether or not a couple are same-sex or straight business partners, you won't typically see public displays of affection. As this case happens to involve two Mormon individuals and the faith does not treat those who have same-sex attraction kindly, it leaves me to wonder if the speculation has more to do with that being viewed as wrong than it does lacking professionalism or causing harm. I'll be the first to admit that placing your hand on someone's knee as a way to offer comfort is problematic and I don't blame people for jumping to the ideas they have. With that said, for me it was where the hand was placed and the fact it was viewable by those watching the video content that's the bigger issue. I don't think it has to mean anything romantic and I don't think it's an indicator of an intimate same-sex relationship. 
I wouldn't have a problem if they were business partners and in a same-sex relationship as long as they were professional when they needed to be. It's also harmful to spread such ideas as it stigmatizes and perpetuations the wrong ideas about those who are in same-sex relationships and would never dream of doing anything to harm a child. Similar to the above situation about the group scenario, it's not uncommon or unheard of for a therapist or coach to offer some form of comfort to a client who is showing emotion and is clearly or extremely upset. However, it typically isn't in the form of physical touch and should not involve touching an area of the body that could be easily misunderstood to mean something other than the offer of comfort. It may come in the form of mirroring the same facial expression or tone of voice, words of comfort, making eye contact, a nod, or other small gestures such as passing a tissue, or a momentary touch on the arm or shoulder as you are wandering among a group as a way of acknowledging that you see they are upset and validate their pain. Honestly, other than the fact everyone wants to pull it apart and find something bigger and the reality that they are business partners nobody would think anything of one person offering another person comfort when they were upset. Do you think that staring a client in the face blankly and saying nothing is going to offer anything of therapeutic value? I can only speak for myself as a client who has been abused and say any time I've experienced such things it wasn't at all helpful. If anything it was more hurtful. As a helping professional, while there are definite lines in the sand about what is ethical and okay to do with a client, it helps nobody to be cold, distant, and uncaring when dealing with survivors of abuse and other types of trauma. It doesn't help if it's not authentic either, especially in a case where there has been manipulation and gaslighting that has led the victims to believe the abuse was done out of love. As a professional, we need to be modeling healthy expressions of nurturing care, time and time again. I keep seeing outbursts of anger over the situation and proposed thoughts, ideas, and feelings about what should happen, in your opinion. It's not about you. It will never be about you. Being abused in any way, shape, or form is not something you are capable of understanding when you haven't been. As such, you have no right to project what you want, need, desire, or think should happen, and attempt to predict the victim's feelings or steps forward. Your only responsibility is your feelings and you have every right to those, no matter what they are. It's not likely that either of these people will see the outside of prison for some time, which is a good thing, as when an abuser has been found out it is a particularly dangerous time for the victims. Rather than pouring your energy into the things you can't control because what's done is done, the victims, which are more than just those the case involves could use a little of that energy to help them heal and get through what is about to take place in the coming months and years. Victims don't go from healing to healed because a conviction takes place, it often takes as many years to heal as the abuse was experienced, and abuse is no less abuse because it is or isn't viewed as such in the eyes of the law. We have very little if any, control over the way things turn out legally, but we have total control over who we choose to focus on and put our energy toward going about it in ways that don't cause further harm.